We'll begin with the CASA update. Oh, God, my dog is barking. Hang on. <laughs> um, with me is Alex Clark, Executive Director of CASA. My name is Jan Johnson. I'm a board member of CASA. Um, and welcome to the CASA update for the week of 10-3-2017. What is new and exciting this week, Alex? Um, a few things are new and exciting. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I apologize if there's any weird background noise. My normal headset is not working and the floors in this apartment building are thin. So if you hear weird random voices, it's my neighbors. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Oh, Jan's on mute. Okay. Um, so, uh, the, uh, probably the best place to start is, uh, at the local level. Um, okay. we have, uh, you know, now since the state legislatures are out of session, um, I, I don't know if local, uh, local governments actually pick up an activity or we just notice it more because we have more time to pay attention to these things. Right. Um, but there are several issues at the local level going on. Um, if you've been paying attention at all to uh, the Facebooks, you may have noticed a particularly active group in Minnesota. Um, and I just, I, I think at every turn, I, I kind of want to give them a shout out and some kudos because they've become very well organized. And um, I have trouble following all of the stuff that's going on, but they're doing a fantastic job of keeping tabs on this. And uh, from the sounds of it, building a, a, a bit of a coalition in, in Minnesota and working with, um, you know, other tobacco retailers and, and their associations um, and, and kind of pooling, I think, their collective power, um, at least in terms of, of monitoring legislation. Um, so the update from Minnesota is uh, from Bloomington, Minnesota. And this is just one of several, by the way. Uh, I'm going to I, I, I think I had promised several months ago to kind of get on top of trying to put together kind of an action center. Um, but since uh, the, the THR for Life folks have been really on top of this in Minnesota, uh, it's, a little, it's a little bit easier now for me to, I think, sit down with this and try to put something concrete together. Um, but uh, Bloomington, Minnesota, um, Oh, and I forgot to write down what they're going to be discussing. <laughs> um, I believe this is likely a flavor ban. Um, the flavor bans in Minnesota have been uh, basically restricting sales to adult-only facilities or adult-only establishments and um, uh, also enacting Tobacco 21 policies. So... Um, there is an administrative hearing on October 10th. Uh, this is an invite-only kind of thing, and this is one of those situations where only people who are licensed as tobacco retailers kind of get the letter in the mail. Okay. Um, again, I apologize if any of that sound is coming through. Um, <laughs> people running around upstairs. Um, okay. uh, the... Uh, so yeah, this is just an administrative hearing in, in which uh, retailers who got this letter in the mail are going to have an opportunity to sit down with the board and um, hopefully share some information and convince them that this is not a great idea. Um, we've discussed this in the past where I think a lot of vapor retailers sort of assume that 
if convenience stores and gas stations can't sell vapor products, that means right. more business for them. Sure. But, um, you know, really in the long run, those are potentially your future customers. Um, mm -hmm. and, and from a, a harm reduction standpoint, uh, you know, we want, we want smokers to see what their safer alternatives are. Right. Um, and, and that should be vapor products in addition to smokeless tobacco. Um, so uh, it, it's actually good for you that, that there's a diverse range of, of retailers having right. the ability to sell these products. Um, and then the actual public hearing is on November 6th at 7 p.m. Uh, and this is a public hearing, so open to everybody. And uh, I'm sure that we will have some sort of an update coming out nice. for that. Um, Canton, Massachusetts, you brought this up a while ago. Um, they have been working on, first of all, their board of health is a bit of a mess. It's, it's two people and uh, I, I, man, it's just ridiculous. I watched um, a recording of the hearing from August 14th, which okay. is where they sort of officially sat down and, and had a public hearing about this um, ordinance. And this is an ordinance that would restrict the sale of flavored tobacco products and smokeless tobacco to adult-only establishments. Right. A quick Google search, and this was actually confirmed by one of the statements in the, um, I think the city manager was there, okay. um, in, in the Board of Health hearing. There is only one specialty tobacco shop in Canton, Massachusetts. It's a town of like 20,000 people, so not a big surprise there. Good but Lord. There's, there's one tobacconist, and I it, from the pictures on their Facebook page, it's basically a cigar shop. Um, so, uh, I don't believe that they sell smokeless tobacco. I don't know if they sell vapor products. So this ordinance, I mean, unless that business decides to, uh, adjust their business model, um, is effectively a ban on the sale of these products. Uh, and as I sort of noted in an email that I sent to our members in Canton, um, I received some intel that, um, actually what the, uh, Board of Health intended to do was just outright ban smokeless tobacco. Um, so th there have been several versions of this regulation, and it's a bit hard to track. Um, but uh, and the hearing is tonight. Oh, wait, I'm sorry, or it was last night. Um, no, maybe it is tonight. I'm sorry again. One one of these days, I'm going to get everything written down. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm going to be able to say things without sounding stupid. Um, the, the hearing, I believe, is tonight. And um, so uh, the recording will likely be up in a few days and I'll kind of see what happened there. But um, <clears throat> it's, it's even, you know, as we get more of these studies coming out, like what we saw, was it yesterday? Yeah. Um, the, the model that was run. And I, I would like to mention David Abrams is on that list of people that, that worked on this that study. Um, David Abrams, formerly of, I don't actually know if he's still on the board of the Truth Initiative, okay. um, but uh, he's a, sort of a Truth Initiative alum, if that's even a, an accurate characterization. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, he has been, he's, he's one of these people who has really changed his views on tobacco harm reduction over the years right. and um, is, is a proponent of switching people to smoke-free alternatives. 
and um he's actually a pretty nice guy met him a couple of times um so uh that study which i tweeted out um you know shows that uh you know according to their models this isn't you know this is this is modeling it's not really a, a long-term um, cohort study or anything, but uh, right. it's, it's really just we're plugging numbers into a formula and getting a result. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this is sort of the first of its kind type of study done for um, vapor products. Right. And they showed that within 10 years, um, if, you know, vapor products were, I, I believe, sort of promoted to people, um, 6.6 million lives would be saved in America, just in the United States. Uh, and, and that's within a decade. Uh, the really, I think, most remarkable conclusion of this study is that uh, even under kind of worst case scenario, um, uh, I, I sort of, I didn't, I haven't gone over this study with a fine tooth comb, but I'm trying to remember exactly what worst case scenario kind of means. Um, I think this was factoring in, you know, a sort of a higher youth uptake mm -hmm. of the products. Um, so factoring in a higher youth uptake plus considering like the, the worst uh, estimates on how toxic vapor products might be right. totally just, you know, blizzard of horrible, uh, still 1.6 million lives would be saved right so even under the worst case circumstances right um there is a net public health benefit here and yeah. that's i think probably the most important message to take away from this and and that's also confirmed i i'm not exactly sure if i i was i sat in on a on a panel at gtnf in new york right. and uh, one of the presentations was um looking at, at numbers that that very same way was that you know even if we account for you know an increased likelihood of gateway or youth uptake of these products there's still a net public health benefit so um i i don't know if that's if that data that was presented was part of this study or if it's a, another study that someone else is undertaking right. um but I, I i suspect that we'll see those results replicated uh, in other studies um wow. which is good news so it's very frustrating to sort of go into this whole thing knowing, I mean, I, I just, I, I accept as, a, as someone who's experienced switching to these products that, you know, certainly millions of other people can experience this. There, there's just no doubt, there's no to little doubt in my mind that there is a net public health benefit by encouraging people to switch to these products, allowing these products to exist on the market. Um, and, and then to have that somewhat confirmed by the studies that are coming out. And then you turn around and you watch, um, you know, a local government come in and sit down and say, you know, oh, but the kids, you know, yeah. the kids, it's the flavors and it's, uh, they're making another generation nicotine addicts, um, which is, is it, just, it, it's, it's, it's really, really difficult to watch. And, you know, having been to hearings and being in, in, a, in a committee hearing where they poured their hearts out, people have shown up with binders full of information, people have, uh, you know, independently contacted lawmakers, and it, it's just, you know, it's sort of this uh, being being dismissed uh, is, is, is very difficult to take and very frustrating, but 
you know, yeah. we gotta, we, we just gotta wear them down, I guess, is, is how that works. Um, there's no silver yes. bullet here. Um, so anyway, Canton, yeah, Canton, Massachusetts, I'll have uh, an update on that next okay. week. Um, the next local thing um, to pop up in the past week was Lindenhurst, New York. And okay. um, this is this is on Long Island. Um, okay. Fun fun story about Lindenhurst. <laughs> um, if, if I do believe it is the same Lindenhurst. I used to work for a van rental company, okay. and we had we had a client that rented a van um, just before Hurricane Sandy. Mm-hmm. And uh, I actually called them and I said, "Hey, man, big hurricane coming. Uh, you're like, you know, four blocks from the beach. Um, you know." consider bringing the van back early and uh the response was like oh yeah no we're gonna park it at the office it's on high ground it's totally good and then after the storm we found out that the guy like you couldn't contact the guy i i think the van was sort of mia for two or three weeks oh, and uh we finally heard back from them it was, it was less than that um it took us two or three weeks to get out there and pick it up but i think mm-hmm. it was about four or five days before we heard from them uh turns out they drove the van home parked it in their driveway and Everything but the engine was flooded. So um, that was a horrible smelling van that we got back. Wow. Uh, total loss. And yeah, so fun story about Lindenhurst in New York. Um, but <laughs> an even even less fun story is that the uh, village board is, uh, their goal is to make sort of a quote unquote family friendly downtown. And vape shops and hookah lounges do not fit into their uh their vision so they are looking to pass an ordinance that would prohibit vape shops and hookah lounges this is their idea of gentrifying the downtown area is it i i don't know i mean downtown lindenhurst is really i mean downtown anything on long island like mm-hmm. downtown, downtown, it's kind of like one street, a few blocks, there's some businesses. Right. Um, so, uh, and it's Long Island. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, uh, no, I don't, it's not, a, it's, it's not a gentrification thing. I think it's just a, it's a, it's an image thing. And, it was, I know I was being sarcastic. Oh, okay. Well, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, sorry. Yeah. It's, it's a weird it's it's a thing uh, i mean they're also i th- i think part of this ordinance also bans like uh marijuana dispensaries um it's, it's just one so of those towns they're they're like there's a couple of uh places in australia doing the very same thing so maybe their sister cities one of those places in australia well this is actually you know i i this is not uncommon um no. and actually uh if you what was that? There was that documentary um, a year or two ago that took place in um, Breckenridge, Colorado. Okay. And it was about, uh, it, it was kind of filmed around the time that recreational marijuana became legal in Colorado. Right. And they followed several business owners in Breckenridge. And one of them was this guy who had. Uh, you know, he had a medical marijuana dispensary kind of on Main Street, um, right. and and he had fought to get like this one year uh, grandfather provision built into a new ordinance that that the city council passed, banning marijuana shops from the Main Street. 
Right. Um, and, and their argument was, you know, Breckenridge is a family type of town. We don't want pot shops on the main drag. Um, and so you gotta, you gotta get off. So, um, you know, this is, this is a thing that the marijuana folks are dealing with. Um, head shops, I'm sure have been dealing with this for years. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, and now it's being extended to especially tobacco and vapor shops. Um, and there was, I think the most recent example of this was in, um, I can't remember the name of the town, but it was in Vermont. Um, and, and it was very similar arguments. In fact, they, they spent most of their council hearing uh, at one point, I think, talking about marijuana. Uh, and there was like 10 minutes they talked about vapor and a vape shop. Uh, and the rest was talking about marijuana. It was, it was really bizarre, uh, especially, in, you know, progressive. Well, probably Vermont. because, oh, I'm sure it's progressive, but I mean, it's probably because they had legalized or were planning to. I mean, <clears throat> Yeah, it was it was in advance of, of legalizing marijuana. I think I think Vermont is still it's it's not legal there yet. Uh, it, it was legalized in Maine uh, yeah. or yeah, Maine um, in Massachusetts. Was it Massachusetts too? Like I believe so. Yes, in Massachusetts. No, it was legalized in Massachusetts. I believe. Now I've got to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I think the, I mean the law the law takes effect next year. Yeah. Uh, or, or at some point anyway while we fumble around with all of this um uh so yeah it, it is a bit of a, a it's not a, a very strong movement but it's something i think to look out for long island has a very recent history of trying to run these independent paper shops out of business uh at one point um i i think i forget the municipality but uh, they were classified as an adult venue, which I think put them in the same classification as uh, like strip clubs. Huh, and nice. they, I, I think, got tangled up in another ordinance that banned strip clubs. Um, I, I can't remember all of that. And I apologize if I'm, if I'm getting any of that wrong, but right. it was very similar to that. And it, and it was a lot of this sort of, you know, cultural cleansing going on on long island um so uh so yeah it's it's not surprising to see something like that from a long island community um and uh you know if anything that should send up you know alarm bells to everybody on long island and i know there's a group of people out there um they're not really uh it's it is it is literally an island uh and it's a bit of an island of advocacy um, it, yeah. Long Island's almost like its own state. Um, so, uh, anyway, uh, that hearing, I believe, is happening this week, and I'll have an update about that coming up. Um, Starkville, Mississippi is looking at an indoor vaping ban, and that hearing was actually happening. I caught some of the live video on uh, Facebook Live uh, okay. around 7 o'clock. I dropped a link to the video in our chat, so we'll include that with the show notes. Right. Uh, I believe the tobacco ordinance was the first one, but um, there's some advocates on the ground there. Uh, uh, um, Rob Roberts from the Breathe Easy Alliance of Alabama okay. uh, spoke, and um, they've been sort of bombarding the city council, I'm sorry, the Board of Aldermen with, um, with lots of information. So, uh, and we had... Uh, an engagement set up for that as well. 
Uh, so curious to see what, uh, if any, vote happened tonight. Um, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some more updates on Starkville going forward. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the other bits of info I had. So we talked about the study. Um, and um, I, I'm sort of adjusting our materials on Tobacco 21 to include okay. this study. Um, just as a refresher, you know, people might remember that the Tobacco 21 policy claims uh, that, it, uh, you know, if you were to enact Tobacco 21 nationwide, state, state, you know, all states today, uh, in 50 years, you would prevent something like 3.1 million people from smoking. Mm -hmm. um, does nothing to help people quit. And those estimates, I think, uh, don't factor in um, black market sales that don't happen between 21-year-olds and 18-year-olds, and 18-year-olds sell it to the 15-year-olds. Right. Um, and of course, I don't think that it considers thoroughly enough, you know, the family connections. <clears throat> so um, that's a, I think that's a pretty optimistic number. Um, and I think it's, it, it doesn't, it doesn't account for the availability of e-cigarettes and uh, how that might actually improve the situation and how e-cigarettes should not be regulated like cigarettes. Mm -hmm. um, but this new modeling that came out yesterday um, really boasts much greater gains obviously 6.6 million lives saved in 10 years. Um, and that's, I think, consistent with some of the, with the just off the cuff estimate that I came up with when writing our letters was, you know, we could, we could get three point whatever million people to stop smoking by the end of this decade, if vapor products were allowed um, to, to exist in the, you know, the current marketplace. Right. Um, and so, so adopting tobacco 21, is just not, um, good idea. So, um, that's kind of one avenue. I think that it, you know, the, the real use of this study is I think for advocacy purposes and, and influencing policymakers. Um, and, and that's something that people should, should really keep in mind. It, it's not, you know, it's not definitive proof. Let's, right. let's. Let's you know keep everything in check here. Um, it is basically plugging numbers into a, a model and mm -hmm. and seeing what the outcome is, changing you know tweaking the dials here and there. Um, but I, I think it does raise a very important point that can be put in front of policymakers influencing their um, their decision. And certainly you know these policymakers should be questioning the validity of all this uh, anti-tobacco and nicotine science that's out there. Right. Um, so if, if anything, that's, that's the use for it. Um, I think, uh, that's pretty much it. I don't have a federal, uh, you know, nothing substantial has gone on. I think we talked about last time that, you know, due to the storms, um, the budget negotiations are going to be delayed. We can be talking about a budget in November. Um, it could be even later than that. Um, I remember in 2015 sitting around Twitter. December 21st, waiting for the vote to happen. Um, so you know, we could be looking at something like that. Um, I think the other, the only other thing is, is, is potentially like 
bad news, but um, <laughs> it, it's more sort of weird news. Okay. Um, so people may have seen today um, uh, or starting yesterday, uh, there was a report of a leaked memo that came out of FDA. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, my my you, cat, my cat and dog can government better than that. Put it that way. So you've read the memo? Oh God, yes. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, I don't want to get into details on this. I just will say that that I've seen the memo. I've known of its existence for a while now, and um, a lot of you know has there's been people working on verifying its validity, um, which is it's just sort of something that you have to do. It, it's it, it, it like you said, it is so poorly written that. Oh, um, you know, yeah. on its face, I, 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 I don't. Oh, come on. When you started reading it, didn't you cringe? Well, I, I had just heard of its existence and questioned its legitimacy because of what I suspected the source was. Um, but I didn't, uh, when, I didn't know who the source was, but and, I read and, it and I was like, oh, I was cringing the whole time. Yeah. Go at ahead. one point, it was read to me, and I was actually in stitches. I. I could not stop laughing. I mean, it was, it's, it was, it's, it, it was not well done. <laughs> no, it's, it's really horrible. And and I, it's to the point where if, if Scott Gottlieb actually wrote this memo, it's surprising that he was ever considered for um, <laughs> being the head of the FDA. Uh, in fact, if, <laughs> if he, if he wrote this, if this memo even if these are just his personal notes, like even if he was sitting on the toilet jotting these down, it would be (laughs) shocking to me to later find out that he was ever on the paper company. Um, Well, I mean, if they're your personal thoughts and you're jotting them down, fine, but God, clean them up, you know? Yeah, I mean, to give it a cover page and a number and call it, you know, a working document, draft guidance, all of this stuff, that's... Yeah. Um, yeah. This is this is not an official memo on its face. I mean, I there's there is no other confirmation that I need other than looking at the title, which actually <laughs> refers to vapor products in a uh, medical device context, yeah. which was the vaporize vaporization nicotine replacement therapy something. Yeah. Um, which everything that follows after that should be discussing the in the context of complete tobacco and nicotine cessation and regulating these products as medicines um that that's what that title leads to um so uh but you know there's a really there's a larger story here and um and i i i think that this is what it's a bit complicated but i think this is what really the focus is and and it's one of the reasons why i don't want this to turn into kind of the the typical social media crucifixion or ridicule fest um that tends to have this and this isn't special to vaping i just this is something that tends to happen with things like this um but you know there are people who i i think were approached with this document and encouraged to donate money Mm -hmm. and uh you know this was a fundraising tool and those people are out thousands of dollars and uh and i i don't think that's fair um, and I, I think that's that's a really horrible way to take advantage of people because you're preying on their hopes and you're preying on their fears. Yep. And the industry and vapor consumers 
vapor consumers who are aware of what's going on have been in a state of panic for years now. Um, and, you know, I, I, will, I will say, you know, Cassatt was formed in 2009 because of the FDA, because of, you know, the foresight of the people who founded this organization that the FDA was going to be coming down harshly on vapor products. So it's not a surprise to us, but there are people who are picking up these products within the past three years. There are people still trying to get into the industry who are just finding out about this stuff now. And, um, you know, at least up until July, everybody was panicking, thinking that this was going to be the last year and that we have to do something now. We have to do something quickly in order to change this. So there was an enormous amount of uncertainty in the industry. And it, it's put people, I think, back on their heels. It's put them in a very vulnerable position. Yeah. And looking at, you know, the past couple of years, you know, first of all, I have to say any progress that we make is going to be incremental it's going to be painfully incremental and it's going to be, it, it's a matter of, of trying and failing year after year after year until we just don't fail so hard. That's, that's the progress that we're looking at. And, 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 and even, even when we claim some sort of victory, it's I think ultimately going to be a substantial compromise. So there is no silver bullet here. There's no lawsuit that's going to win this. There's no legislative strategy that's going to win this. Just, I think, ultimately working to kind of minimize the damage. And as much as we should be working to preserve um, the wide variety of products and manufacturers and retailers and all of the wonderful options that are available in the market, I think that we have to, you know, at the end of the day, keep our expectations in check and realize that this is a much harder battle. So all of that having been said, all of that panic, all of that fear is something that anti-nicotine and tobacco activists have directly contributed to. Mm -hmm. And they have directly contributed to the situation where you have a group of people from industry and consumers right. who are vulnerable and are ripe, ripe for being taken advantage of. And um, I think this is this is one of one of those examples. I don't think this is the only time that this has happened in the vaping space. Um, it is certainly not something that is unique to vaping. I don't want people hanging their heads and saying, oh, vapors, you know, this and that. No, this happens in other areas as well. It's probably yeah. more common in other areas. Um, and so, I mean, stuff like this is a business opportunity for a law firm. So, you know, it, it's the vaping thing is not special, but... I think it's really important to single out who the true uh, uh, bad guys are here. And that is an overly aggressive anti-nicotine and tobacco activist uh, group. Um, and I, I'm using group loosely here. Um, and I, I, you know, activist scientists, activists, lobby groups, body parts groups, campaign for tobacco free kids. All of these people have contributed to this situation where we are backed into a corner and we are grasping at straws in order to save our access to these products. Well, right. So, I mean, it, it feels like you're, it feels like you're being attacked by the anti-mafia. Really? You know? Yeah. What other way can you describe it? And, and it feels like a personal attack. At least people who started vaping for, you know, whatever reason to improve their health or 
you know, because they had health problems, um, because they wanted to be around for their kids or grandkids. You hear that a lot. Um, this was a very personal attack on these people. It really was. And it was, it was aimed at them to prey on their vulnerable state. It's, it's, it's pathetic, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, not making any apologies for the author of this fake memo, um, but I, I, I do think that this is one of those opportunities to highlight how we found ourselves in this position. And, um, you know, certainly shame on anybody for taking advantage of that opportunity. But um, I think the larger, uh, the underlying issue here is that we all feel, um, we all feel very vulnerable. And um, uh, there, there is a lot of, there's still, you know, we got this four year delay, but there's still, you know, at the, the highest levels of the industry, there's still a lot of uncertainty. Yeah. And um, that's that's not going to be resolved quickly. So um, if there was a public service message, it's don't buy into silver bullet solutions. Um, well, the name of the game here and something that we've been advocating for years is participation, especially from consumers. And that's why we have a testimonials project. That's why we do email campaigns. That's why we pass out phone numbers of lawmakers right. so that you can get connected and get your voices heard. And right. it's about, it's, it's all about the numbers sure. and, and having them see a, a long list of emails in their inboxes when this issue pops up, having them have, having their staff have to deal with, you know, dozens or hundreds of phone calls mm-hmm. that translates to them as, Hmm, the voters, um, and and it should, and it should, it should, it should inspire yeah. them to listen, and that's that's what we're going for. So, yeah. um, and that's that's a process that takes that takes time, it takes years, sure. and uh, that's I think that's that's the culture that 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 Kassau has been trying to cultivate. So, well, it's it's not a sprint; it's it's no. a long marathon, very long. So, so um, did you see that video of Sean Hannity? Vaping at his yes. news desk? Yes, wasn't in, that In New York City, where it's that against was... the law. Yeah, wasn't that funny? It was. He vapes up like a boss. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was kind of funny. I uh, Yeah, the fact that it's illegal was great. And the fact that he's like, I didn't do, did you hear like the way he was so vehemently, I didn't do that. I'm like, yeah, okay. Sure, that's I didn't also hear anything. I, I watched the video without sound. I, I no, 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 no. Sean Hannity doesn't have to say But that no, I, I mean, he was, he was interviewed after that, and he's like, I didn't do that. That wasn't me. Oh, sure, that was all CGI. I mean, it's not, you know, the way that the law is written in New York, city mm-hmm. it's it's not i mean actually you know the 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 property manager is on the hook like whoever's right. responsible for that space um right. they're the ones that would receive the fine I, I, and i don't really see i mean maybe the city would come after fox news and say you know you owe us 20 dollars <laughs> like <laughs> i, I don't possibly. know and, and it's I'm sure it's a simple ticket to write, but no, the the way the the, the burden is on the property owner to enforce the ordinance. Um, yeah. You know, the cops aren't going to investigate and write him a ticket. 
board, the Department of Health isn't going to do anything. Um, and that is Sean, Sean Hannity certainly get fined by the city for it. So, um, you know, he can he can he can vape proudly uh, and just pass the bill on to his boss. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's the example of the cowards in New York City. Yeah. Yeah. So fun times. Yeah. Yeah. So does that feel like it's it for this evening, Alex? That is it. We had a really long update last week, so yeah. um, it's good to keep this somewhat shorter. Okay. All right. Then we will see you next Monday. Yep. Uh, Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Next, next Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, it's Tuesday. Next Tuesday. All right. Um, thank you for everything you do for us, Alex. We will see you next Tuesday. Um, and for those listening, uh, what is the address to donate to CASA? Uh, CASA.org. Forward slash donate. Donate. Okay. Um, and we'll see you next Tuesday. Have a good rest of your evening. Likewise. Thanks. Thank you.